An offsides penalty and a ball off the fingers. The Giants lose a gut-wrenching game 30-29 Thursday night to the Washington football team. This is a tough loss to swallow. We break down the offsides on the field goal, Darius Slayton's drop touchdown, Daniel Jones, good game, and the Giants getting off to an 0-2 start again. Our special guest this week is a friend of the program. It's my old teammate, two-time Super Bowl champion, defensive end, Matthias Kiwanuka. Plus, we dive into week two in the betting and fantasy land with the post Jeremy Layton. No offsides penalties here. Come console with us next on Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. Joining Blue Rush later in the show is friend of the program. He's the only former player to be on two different podcasts with the New York Post. That would be the Giants and the Knicks podcast. Two-time Super Bowl champion, Matthias Kiwanuka. Let's welcome in your host this season of Blue Rush. That's two-time Super Bowl champion kicker, Lawrence Tynes. And Giants beat writer for the New York Post, Paul Schwartz. Not elongated intros today, guys. Giants fans woke up Friday morning thinking, offsides and off the fingers. <laughs> and a loss that was a true devastating blow, 30-29, to the Washington football team. Take it away. Oi. Um, oi. Um, Boy. <laughs> L- Lawrence, I was a, um, I'll take it back with a quick story, okay? I was on a, um, I did my um, civil duty and was on a um, jury duty, okay, years and years ago. And because I was picked first, they, you know, I'm the foreman of the jury, because, just not because of any credentials, because I'm picked first. It was a very difficult, seedy, very grimy case. Not going to get into the details of that here. But I remember it was very agonizing. And afterwards, the judge invited us back into her chambers and said, I can't tell you everything, but if you have questions, I will try to answer them. And I asked her one question. I said, did we do the right thing with our verdict? Okay. And she looked at me and said, justice was served. And that made me feel good. I feel justice was served in Landover. I really do Thursday night. I feel the Giants did not deserve to win. And if Dexter Lawrence doesn't go off sides, they do win. But looking at the whole scope of this, I can't say that there was an injustice Thursday night. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying. But ultimately, the Giants should have won that game. There's no question. Dexter Lawrence is the closest man to the football on that play. He's closer than the long snapper is. To the football. There is no excuse for that to happen. Sure, there's plays early. You can go back to me, uh, the first quarter. Daniel Jones, they take a delay a game, then they take a sack, and they get out of field goal range. That's one series for me that's three points for sure, the way Graham was kicking last night that I think about. There's plays in, in every game, but again, bad teams find new ways to lose every weekend, every Thursday in this case. The Giants are a bad team that are finding new ways to lose football games. Inexcusable. That game should have been won. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with a lot of what you say, maybe really all of what you say as far as when you look at the game and they scored 29 points. Uh, We felt going into the season, if the Giants scored 29 points, they would win, what, 90% of those games probably, right? Well, yeah. 
you know, I mean, so that that's, you know, the overview. And I get it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they got, you know, in some games, don't you agree? In some games, it's like, man, they got a bad break. They got a bad call. They got a bad break. That was tough. They got a break from the gods when a good field goal kicker missed a 48-yard field goal. You know what that feels like, right? That was when, when he lines up for the 48-yard field goal. What do you think? What do you think? Game's over, right? He's going to hit I that did, but, you know, D- Hopkins has kind of been up and down. He's got a great leg. I knew once they got into, like, the 55-yard range, it was just a matter of him making it. It wasn't a matter of him getting it there. You know, a Florida State counterpart of Graham Gano's. But, you know, on the road, I don't think there's a bad way to win a football game. I know you said justice was served, but they had that game in the bag to go one and one And because of a mental error, pre-snap, like not even a physical error where you're hustling and maybe you make a boneheaded play, this was simply the closest guy to the football on the entire field lines up offsides inexcusable right, yeah, yeah, th- right. This you find guy- guys for that i mean i don't know but it's it's ridiculous i was mad i think i even called jake last night at midnight i was so pissed off and i i try not to get so emotional into these games but man i lost my cool last night yeah he I called could- me to vent at midnight and I, yeah. as soon as the call came in i'm like oh boy he, has he has, has I, he been uh, drinking tonight is he okay? and my son looked at me goes dad what are you doing <laughs> i went ballistic i really did because i felt like they had earned a really tough win on the road and it was taken away from them i'm not going to ever say by one player but by one stupid play well okay uh, i i think there is more than one stupid play let's go back to you know the giants are, are, are kicking field goals all night right uh they have a touchdown call back for daniel jones on a holding call on cj board you can debate the hold but yep. it was it was right in front of the ref and he called it okay they have a touchdown called back because darius slayton cannot catch you know i mean how many times in a season is there a busted play like that where you're going to have a 40 plus yard touchdown give up give walk in right it's going to happen two or three times a season yep. you got we've seen it in back to back weeks if you think about the denver drop correct okay so that that that's a problem but let's go back to you know, you always got to go back to some point and then move forward. The Giants have to punt, right? And it looks like it's going to be a problem. Washington gets the ball and is an interception by James Bradbury. It's a great interception to salvage what was a horrible night for James Bradbury. I mean, Terry McLaurin, I think, is still getting open against him. You know, it was a terrible night for him. He has the interception. They're on, what, the 21-yard line or something like that? What do you think of that sequence? Because at that point, the Giants have are down. They're in field goal range. They have a as close to an automatic field goal as you can have. It's a matter of what? Sitting on the ball and kicking the field goal, making them use their timeouts, being aggressive and going for a touchdown. What was your thought process right there? Well, I thought they should have had a little bit more killer instinct, but with this offense, what what is the killer instinct? They haven't developed one. I mean, they were really just playing, you know, the best player on the field for the Giants anyway uh, last night was Graham Gano. And so they were playing to kick a field goal, which is typical Jason Garrett. I mean, listen, he he got everyone excited last night, came out, RPO game, 15-play script. It got really sour in the middle. You know, Daniel Jones, against a very good front, by the way. But I think they just, they kind of did what they thought they, they could do. Again, it goes back to the trust factor when you think about what they did last week coming out of the goal line. They just don't have a ton of trust in their protection or Daniel or their entire offense as a unit. So they played it safe. So to answer your question, they played they played it safe, right? Let's kick a field goal, uh, make them use a couple timeouts. That's ultimately what they did. Remember what Tom Coughlin said famously um, when you were on that team? Or maybe it was after you left. Um, it probably was after. No, it was probably after you left. When he had a, it was after because he had a terrible defense at, at, near the down the stretch. And we kept on asking Tom, "Why are you doing such wacky things on offense? Why are you being so reckless on offense?" 
as far as taking chances. And he said, I know my team better than anyone. And the translation was, we have a lousy defense with the ball in our hands. At least I can dictate. This conservative mindset was predicated on having a defense that you know then could go stop them, which has not been the case. Now, there were two runs by Saquon Barkley who got a big workload uh, in his second game back from an ACL, and they gained three yards. Joe Judge said about that, about being too conservative. It has nothing to do with not trusting Daniel Jones. It's trusting our run game as well, okay? Now, he said there's two ways you can do that. You can be aggressive or you can make them use their timeouts. He felt like making them use their timeouts. Daniel Jones was asked about that too after the game. You know, he, he said it was those situations you need to run the ball and make sure the clock goes. That was their thought process. On third down, it was third and seven. They could have completed the pass. He threw it a little bit behind Sterling. Sterling said he could have caught it. Daniel said he could have thrown a better ball. But, you know, at that point, I had a very sick feeling that they they were so willing to settle for a field goal. And they got the ball with 216. Washington was getting the kickoff with two minutes to go. They had used 16 seconds. They traded 16 seconds there. It was a bad, bad trade-off. I was not surprised in the least that Washington only needed a field goal, got in field goal range. I mean, I was shocked. I wasn't shocked because I've seen this team operate and they seem to do whatever they need to do. They do the opposite. And I don't understand why other teams would have gone for the juggler there. I'm not saying fade back and throw three times. Daniel Jones was the best runner on the field. They just gave the ball to Saquon. Now, Saquon Barkley said, that's on me. I have to do a better job with that. I can tell Saquon's trying to get back into the group, man. It's just not there. Let's be honest. Every Giants fan needs to be honest. It's not there yet. The big run's the big run. I Hell, I could have ran through that hole up and down the sideline. I wouldn't have gone as far, but... It just, he's not there yet. You can see it. And, and and the more I studied him last night, it's just, he's not willing to shove it up up in the in between the tackles. He wants to bounce. He's not driving his legs when, when there's contact, right? I mean, he's he got hit hard a couple times last night by downhill safeties. And, you know, that's sometimes a battle he can win. He's just not willing to, I think Booker needs to get some more carries, at least some in between the tackle type carries. I'm not saying that Saquon should just be benched, but I, Saquon's not ready. He's you know what? It, it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I would have said, you know, a few weeks ago or something, you know, look, don't start telling me that Devontae Booker needs more carries, but I agree with you 100%. Saquon played 58 snaps. That's 84% of the snaps. Booker played 10 snaps. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when you, when you need to put it up there and try to get some yards, you know, it would not have been inappropriate for Devonta Booker to be on the field there with 216 to go. And maybe you can grind out three, four, five yards. It's amazing how they do the wrong thing at the wrong time all the time. I mean, it, it's amazing. Now, now, what did you think of, this is kind of off to the side a little bit. We see Kenny Galladay, on the camera, right? We see him on the sideline and he's yelling, very frustrated. Uh, there's a trainer there. There's an equipment guy there. There's also Daniel Jones sitting there. He's not yelling at the trainer. He's not yelling at the equipment guy. He's yelling at Daniel Jones. What kind of a look is that, first of all? For me, I'm not going to sit there and judge Kenny Galladay on yelling and being frustrated. I mean, I'm sure there's times he's been open and he's just not getting the football and he want a guy like that. So to me, it's a little bit of a non-story. It's emotional on the sideline. Players do that all the time. It just so happened to be caught on camera. And quite frankly, I actually think it's a little bit of a good thing that someone is yelling at Daniel Jones. I feel like, you know, we always talk about he's been coddled and given excuses every time. Well, Kenny Galladay is holding him accountable and saying, get me the damn football. I'm sure in some way, shape or form, he said that uh, I'm open, throw me the ball. You know, I look at Heineke's touchdown pass at the end of the game. I mean, part of me thinks that was a throwaway. Do you agree? I, it was a throwaway, but it was like, 
it just so happened to end up in that guy's hands. There's, I don't think there's any way that was like, I'm throwing this to this tight end. I don't know. But he is take, but he takes chances, if that's what I'm saying. Heineke will give 50-50 balls. Heineke was waiting to throw an interception all night. Oh, my you know God. I mean? and, and, and at the end of that game, if Bradbury didn't get that, it would have been a, the greatest sin ever that the Giants didn't get a turnover off him. He's gutsy. He's, you know, he can, he can move. You know, he's got kind of that uh, burglar mentality out there, but he was throwing balls up there that they could have caught. And, you Paul, know, when fly- you play zone all game long, zone. And we have a Dory Jackson, Bradbury, Logan Ryan. There's a lot of equity and money and capital in that secondary. Why don't you play man against a backup quarterback and make him make some tight contested throws instead of throwing in windows? He threw in windows all day. Taylor Heineke, any NFL quarterback, is good enough to throw into windows. But if you played man, why don't we play man? Patrick Graham's got some questions to answer this week, and I get it. There's no pass rush. But those corners ought to have been good enough to play some man coverage last night in crunch time. And they Yo, no, Patrick Graham, the guy we anointed uh, you know, a few yep. podcasts ago as um, you know, the next the next head coach in the NFL. Yep. Um, you know, they've got 10 days to try to figure this out. Now, you know, I know you poo-poo this Kenny Galladay thing. I agree with you as far as you're being very mature. You're an ex-player. You're being rational. I'm sure if everything we were privy to as far as what's going on on the sideline and in the locker room, you know, it, it's an emotional game play, played by emotional men. I get that. But that perception, there's the public perception, but they're 0-2. Daniel Jones was not comfortable talking about it after the game. He was said, I think he was frustrated. I don't think it was with me and anyone in particular. We're all good. I love Kenny. Uh, he was not comfortable talking about it. Now, Kadarius Tony played, I think, um, 18 snaps. Okay. He did. 19, okay. 19, he played 19 snaps. Okay. I didn't even see him. Didn't okay. even see him. Okay. How many targets would you say he had? I think he had zero. There's no way because I didn't see him. Okay. Uh, so he had uh, 19 snaps. He had no targets. He came over and, and in the third quarter, Joe Judge talked to Tony on the sideline. Tony seemed upset, walked away, did not get back on the field. And this is something that I will kick myself for. And as long as I'm in the business, I would hope I would never have to do this. But I am going to say it. Kadarius Tony posted on Instagram in response to this, and I shudder to even say this, to open up this, I don't be mad expletive, just lame to me, okay? Well, that'll be on the soundboard next week. Yes, <laughs> yes. That is amazing. Uh, 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 yes, uh, the, the Paul Schwartz quoting Kadarius <laughs> Tony on Instagram. I mean, you just board. said Daniel Jones was not comfortable talking about it. Are you comfortable talking about this? <laughs> about his Instagram? Uh, <laughs> With I, the I, quote I, of the week. <laughs> I, re- I, re- I remember talking to Damon Snacks Harrison once, right? He posted something on Twitter, right? Right out there on Twitter, which was obvious, okay? And I asked him about it, and he said, why are you asking me about my Twitter? And I said, did you tweet this? He said, yes. I said, well, this is like a direct quote from you on Twitter. He said, but that's my Twitter. I said, yeah, I understand that. That's why I, I happen to follow you on Twitter. And, and I want you to comment on it. He says, no, I don't comment on my Twitter. That's my Twitter. So, okay, right at that point, I said, I'm not going to discuss with 26-year-olds about their Twitter. There's something going on here with Tony. We didn't think he'd get out of the gates fast this season. We did not. But this is this is mind-boggling that they can't get him a football. I mean, the first time he got the ball last week, he lost six yards. And now you can't tell me in a game where Daniel Jones, you know, we, we kind of glossed over Daniel Jones. If we want to make every game a referendum on yay or nay with Daniel Jones, 
This was Fantastic. a yay. Dan- Daniel Jones Fantastic. was fine. There will be no Daniel Jones slander on the Blue Rush podcast. Correct. There will be Absolutely none. Absolutely right. not. I mean, that's, and, the, that's the crime. And, and they gave him time to throw the ball. And the show. positive. Yes, sorry, because we're going to keep harping on negatives. But yes, he played well. The offensive line, I know it's four sacks, but if you look at who they were blocking, and God bless Nick Gates, by the way. Shout out to him. And I hope everything goes well today. That was a horrific injury. That offensive line, I tell you what, there are, and Joe Judge was right, even though he he rambled like hell. I've never seen him ramble that much ever, by the way, post-game interview. A very rambly. He wanted to probably control the narrative and the questioning. But, man, they have a lot to be positive about offensively. Defensively is where I am really, really alarmed. That's a big drop-off. The D-line is, is you know, Adjilari had a sack early, which is nice to see. But overall, I mean, you know, Washington has a nice offensive line. But Leonard Williams and these guys, and they're just not – producing any pressure and you're running zone it just makes for a long day and Patrick Graham's got some work to do look Taylor Taylor Heineke threw for 336 yards two touchdowns uh look like I said he was throwing the balls up there they finally got one of them Uh, others look they go into this 10-day break and 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 Lawrence I'll try to promise you this okay I don't know if I can keep this promise I try to keep promises I'm not sure I can keep this one I will try not to in these next 10 days write about a Giants defense that's 0-2, like you were in 2007, and trying to have to yeah. figure it out. It, 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 are you telling me I cannot do that? I cannot write that, right? No. It's just I, that that narrative, listen, if this I, would have been the second or third 0-2 season in the last mm-hmm. five years, it's yeah. like the ninth, eighth. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I mean, I will, yeah. there's a lot of copy between now and then I have to write. I will try very hard to keep my promise and not link that great defense to – this one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, going into this 10 day break, they have Galladay is unhappy. Tony, if my Instagram tea leaves are correct, is either unhappy or getting ready. Paul's to, got a, Paul's got a burner Instagram. He's got that burner. I had no clue. Paul, you got a burner? I'm not even comfortable saying I was going to say on an Instagram Paulie. story. Okay. What's the handle? And, What's and, the handle? And Sarah, I don't. It, that's not even accurate. Is it Instagram story? I I, I don't know if this. Oh, was well, a yeah, story. it would have been a story. Yeah, it was yeah, on it was a, a story. story. It was a repost on his story. Yeah, the repost yeah. on his. See, it could have been something in his life. It might have not been the game. It could have been something going yeah, on in his sure. life. Sure. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was. <laughs> on, on, on the train ride home, he. Yeah. Uh, he it's something hit him in life that uh, yeah. uh, that um, you know recycling is not where it should be in the world, and he can't deal with this. Um, you know, but look, this is an issue. We can laugh about this, but this guy was the number 20 pick in the draft, and he is useless right now. He's getting that burn, yeah. Useless, useless. I mean, C.J. Board is is really taking over his role on offense. I mean, C.J. Board is a nice player and a guy you need on your football team, but talent-wise, he's not, he's not Tony. But overall, man, listen, I'm going to give a lot of kudos to Daniel Jones. He stood in there and played his tail off last night, and he had a couple of bad throws, which, you know, that's every game, but... Overall, I was really – I thought he kind of not arrived last night, but that was nice to see, man. That was a great defense. He hung in there. The O-line played decent. So it was good to see. I think as a Giants fan, you should leave that game happy. The Daniel Jones played well. Let's be real. Defensively is my biggest concern with this team right now. Yeah, the defense is a problem. And, you know, the Red Seas parted on that holding where, where he went down the field and, uh, you know, oh. he didn't trip over himself this time like he did in Philly. And, you know, oh. you look at that play, the offside, the, you know, the conservative play calling there in the final few minutes that a lot of Giants fans were talking about where they ran, ran, and then threw the ball behind Shepard and then way too much time for Washington getting it back. So a lot of things you could point to and a big game next week and we'll preview it next week on blue rush 
Giants Falcons, Eli Manning going into the Giants Ring of Honor. Looking forward to see him getting inducted at MetLife Stadium. But a guy who won a couple of Super Bowls with you, Lawrence, and with Eli Manning is their defensive end, Matthias Kiwanuka. And he's going to join Blue Rush next. Joining us next on Blue Rush is a friend of the program that is the only player to appear on two different New York Post podcasts. He also appeared on our next show a few years ago in studio. He's a lifelong Giants defensive end where he played his entire career here from 2006 through 2014, helping Big Blue win two Super Bowls over the Patriots along with our own Lawrence Tynes. He had 412 total tackles, 38 and a half sacks, 13 forced fumbles, three interceptions, in his career, he was a two-time All-American at Boston College. He is now the CEO of Wandering Wines. Who doesn't love themselves a nice glass of wine, especially Sarah McCrory when watching the Giants lately? He's now co-hosting New York Game Day with Anita Marks on ESPN Radio New York 98.7 FM. He has entered our world. Let's give a warm Blue Rush welcome to the pride of Indianapolis, Matthias Kiwanuka. Matthias, welcome to the show. Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz. How are you, man? I'm ready to play now after that. I'm ready. And that's a hell of an intro. Thank this you. This is the best. Well, you said you got your surgeries out of the way. Can you play defensive end for the Giants now and attack the quarterback? Because there wasn't a lot of that on Thursday. <laughs> I can't play defensive end for the Fort Lauderdale Bears right now. <laughs> With this ankle, this neck. No, um, no, my, my time is done. I'm, I'm up and uh, sitting home on the couch analyzing what other people are doing and watching them, you know, try to try to go out there and rush it but yeah yeah we need to get there we got to get some pass rush boy for real Matthias you were um you were out at the Giants in the training camp right I saw you out there one mm-hmm. day um yep. uh, what vibe did you get did you talk to the players you talked to Joe Judge you know you know you, you're in the building uh there's a lot of very exciting stuff happens soon for your 10-year anniversary of your second Super Bowl, right? Which is nice to say you have to specify which Super Bowl we're talking about with you. What was the vibe you got from this year's team from your time over there this summer? It was very good. And, and you know, I'm doing the radio now and, and everybody's like, oh, you're overly optimistic about the Giants. And let me, let me tell you something. When I first retired and I went back a couple of years ago, this is the the Odell Beckham and, and you know, that, that whole squad. I remember walking up and down the locker room and there was stuff everywhere. Times, you remember how that locker room used to be? It used to be spick and span. When I, when, I went, when I went back there, I mean, it was just a completely different era. And I remember asking, I was like, are they coming back in? They're like, nah, Key, that's just how they do it now. Like things are, things are different. Now, when I went back this offseason, it was back to the way that I remember the locker room being. There were guys sitting around in corners talking about football. When I walked up and down those halls, there were guys still lingering in the meeting rooms long after everybody else had gone home. Saquon Barkley specifically was still sitting in there hours after everybody else had gone home you know I was in the training room talking to Logan Ryan and and we had a full conversation about you know the youth of this team and how you know he's presented with that issue and, and different things so he's we're, people are in there talking about football and trying to get better when I was walking around on the field I I felt an energy like I felt like they want to get better this isn't a team that that just feels like oh you know oh well like you know this is this is I'm getting paid this is gonna happen now like they're tired of being called called out they're tired of losing it you could feel it there's a sense of urgency we sat tuck and i sat in um Hanoso. we sat in the the d-line meeting room and they're asking questions they want to know hey how did you how did you work with this like when you had to go back and forth between meeting rooms like what did you do like they're putting in the time and the effort and that's part of what pains me to watch them not close out a game like yesterday kiwi thanks for coming on uh, you guys did not go over how to line up 
on field goal block. <laughs> because after that penalty last night, I love that you talk about the cleanliness of the locker room. I know that seems very mundane, but if you think about our teams that we all played on, how detail-oriented we were with how we looked at practice and what we wore in the locker room, just being accountable, that says a lot about a football team. Having said that, You've been done about the same amount of time I have. What do you feel when you watch this? Like, not just this team, but over the last eight years, whatever it's been, are you pissed off? Are you mad? Are you sad? Or I mean, I feel all those emotions in one game, sometimes one quarter. I'm I'm at the point now where I, you know, I can take a step back. I'm not, I'm not, you know, the angry vet who just got cut or just got released or anything like that. Like, like I am looking at this team, like this was my home for nine years. This is the only team that I ever played for in the NFL. So it means something to me. I want this team to do well. I want to see them be successful and I know that they can do it. So when I'm, when I'm watching them, you know, obviously I'm watching up front and, you know, there's a guy, a young guy, Ojolari, like when he comes out and gets a sack early on in the game that means something to me because I picked him out and I saw him last week he was responsible for that long run that they had you know last week you know he got molly whopped out of his gap and the ball comes scooting down there this year this week he comes back with intent and focus and purpose he comes out and he has a sack early on in the game so I'm thinking okay like they're being coached the message is getting through these guys are playing hard and and they and they want it you know what I mean I want to see them do well and especially up front as that defensive line goes I mean you got some studs up there and they're rushing with four. They're rushing with four down linemen the majority of the time, and they're getting pressure. They deserve to be rewarded with some picks back there, you know? So there are guys who are playing, and I want to see them be rewarded and come out with a win and have some success. Like, the mental toll it takes on you to be on a losing team year in and year out, it, it, it's it's tough, you know? We were we were blessed, you know? But when you, you know, you talk to guys around the league who were on some bad teams, I mean, it affects them psychologically for the rest of their lives. Some Forever. Are, I agree. It does. I know some very, very great football players that are jaded, if that's the right word. Mm -hmm. They feel like, you know, they just never had that that opportunity. Absolutely. And I know we'll get into the the Daniel Jones conversation, but my my question is, what are we seeing from him? What are we judging him on if every play there's somebody in his face or somebody in his lap? He's he's running for his life. There were a couple of times out there last last night where he had time. He had his feet set underneath him. He could look down the field and he delivered that ball with accuracy and precision. So I, I want to see more of that. I want to see people get an opportunity to do well. Have you seen that that uh, offside the on the field goal? Have you ever? Lawrence said he's never seen that happen over center by Dexter Lawrence. Not have not you ever to seen end that? a game. Not to end a game. I, I'm sure I've probably come across it at, at some point. I can't I can't quite remember it. I don't I don't think that that was necessarily. I, I think that was just mental fatigue. You know, like a. a you know, like you're just you're just run down mentally. You're not focused. You know, like you. Yeah, everybody wants to make that play. And there's there's there could be some times where it's awkward. You got pressure on the wrong part of your hand or something like that. But to be honest with you, it's just focus and, and lack of attention to detail. I've talked to you. I've talked to a lot of your defensive teammates and, and they always say the same thing. We want to be on a field protecting a one point lead. You know, let, let us let us take care of the game. The Giants could not do that on defense. What does that do to a defensive unit? when you know they put the trust of the game in your hands and you could not get off the field with one more point than the other team? There, there's one of two ways it can go. They can start pointing fingers at each other and, you know, you should have done that, you should have done this, da, da, da. or they can go into that meeting room and have a one and only coach, coach no coaches, players only meeting, and call it out, call what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's players out there. Here's how it goes. All during the week as a, as a player, 
you you game plan for a specific plays. You game plan against their plays, against you know the thing the the most likely defenses you're going to be in, and you have a sense of who is going to mess up on what play. We all we all know that there's one guy during the week who every time they run this play, this guy is always turning his back when he's supposed to be looking at the quarterback. Or how many times have you heard the coach tell you to 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 shoulder it with the other shoulder? And and so when you get to the game, if that correction is made multiple times in practice and it doesn't happen on the field, that's where players get frustrated. That's that's where your teammates start to look at you a little differently. If you if you have a bonehead play and you're a good player like 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 last night, like you know what, everybody messes up every now and again. That's fine. But if you're repeatedly making the same mistake, if you can't be, hey, you know what, then it's then it's time for everybody to say, hey, listen, that's not acceptable. That's what's hurting us. These same plays over and over again, that's what's killing us. It's not the one bonehead play. It's not you don't put a whole game on one person making one small mistake. But if you get a wheel route in practice five times and you miss it four times and then in the fourth quarter of the game, that wheel route comes and you don't cover it. Now people are going to start getting frustrated. Now we need to get somebody else in there and people need to take an honest look at themselves and say, hey, am I the one? Who's repeatedly making the same mistakes? If that is true, then get your ass in the in the um, uh, in the meeting room with the coaches and figure out how to fix it. I agree. Look, he's got these he's got these fiery takes. He's in the radio world now. <laughs> Look at him. Matthias coming out swinging. He said, "Get your ass in the training room. Get your ass in the meeting room." Uh, you were you know you were only coached by Tom Coughlin. Did that impact? Your life outside of football as well with, you know, we always talk about getting to meetings early and getting everywhere on time and holding yourself accountable. That must have made you a stronger person, too, just being coached by no one else than Tom your whole career. <laughs> Ask my kids. My daughter was a, uh, a crossing guard for school this morning. She had to be there at 7.15. We're in the parking lot at 6.55. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. I'm not even joking. She's like, Daddy, only the teachers are here. Look, that's a teacher. And her, I was like, hey, but at least we're not late, okay? When the gate opens up, you're going to be there. You're going to be ready. I mean, uh, there, there are so many life lessons that that I took that, uh, to be honest with you, they were a pain in the ass while while I was playing. I had zero clue as to why I'm counseling a guy like Antro Roll about the length of his socks prior to, uh, you know, a big game in Dallas, as opposed to what our defense is actually meant to be. But in the grand scheme of things, we all did what we had to do and, and we, and we got it done. So there, there are a lot of lessons. I think I was, I, I benefited from playing with um, playing under uh, coach Coughlin. I also played under Tom O'Brien at Boston college. He's a Navy guy. You know, Coughlin has, has a lot of respect for the military and would bring people in. So there's that, that kind of mentality that attention to detail that that focus that they're always looking for what do you call like that steely-eyed focus that whole thing um I, I do believe i benefited from it and i respect them does it feel like 10 years ago you know october 17th you guys are going to be honored at uh, metlife stadium you know we just say 10 years yeah it's been 10 years it's kind of like a finger snap right what what does it feel like 20 does it feel like five uh uh, you know, 10 years is we, we, we mark 10 years, right? Anniversaries, marriages, deaths, everything, 10 years, sports things. What does it feel like to you that that Super Bowl 46 experience? Yeah, it 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 feels like um like life comes in cycles, right? So like there's there's ups, there's downs, and and every about every like seven to ten years, like you know, you you start to reinvent yourself. And I feel like you know that's happening for me. You know, I'm taking a step back into uh, football and broadcasting and whatnot. And to be honest, like being able to watch football this year with a purpose has completely changed my mindset. You know, I, I was still watching football as a fan, sitting back on the couch, with my Cheetos and, and whatnot. But now 
watching it and analyzing it and like trying to look for patterns and, and understand what people are trying to do. What is this defense trying to ask them to do? It's, it's fun. You know, it's it's a grind, but it, it's it's a lot of fun. So I'm I'm enjoying it. That game, that Super Bowl, it, it seems like it was forever ago, to be honest with you. Um, it feels like it was it was a long, long time ago. So many things have happened, you know, but as far as in the building, I hope that 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 essence is still there. I hope that air is still there. When I when I walked in there, you know, there's still that appreciation for what we did as a group, not just in that Super Bowl year, but I think that entire time, Tynes and I were there, I think that entire time, there's an appreciation for for how much we contributed to um, that organization, which is appreciated, which I appreciate. Yeah, the, the Giants do a great job with that stuff. Going back to the football, when you're a D lineman, this is kind of a two-part question, do you know if it's man or zone, just from the call? Uh, it, it depends. I think when you get to a certain level, if you're a fresh, or freshman, if you're a rookie or a second year player and you're only playing defensive line, especially the closer mm-hmm. you are to the ball, you have no idea. <laughs> so <laughs> having no said idea. that, is there if you knew, right, if you became a veteran player, do you prefer the defense behind you be zone man or does it hell it doesn't doesn't change your job at all? Because last night I felt like they played way too much zone when they have these you know high dollar corners and you know Logan Ryan's a highly paid safety. Why don't we not just man up and make Heineke throw some, you know, tightly contested throws? I think you have to go with what your um, what your defense is good at, right? So yeah. uh, if you have guys who can play that man coverage, that's going to be beneficial to everybody. Now you can do some things that are, you know, that, that can throw them off on their heels a little bit. If you're constantly sitting back and playing zone, like you said, like those plays are, it's not beneficial for the defensive lineman. You know, you're not you're not you're not going to get as many opportunities to to pass rush like you want to. Matthias Kiwanuka joining us for a few more minutes here on Blue Rush. You can follow him on Twitter. At- at mkiwanuka underscore 94 follow him on instagram at matthias underscore kiwanuka and you can check out wanderingwines.com what's your favorite white your favorite red your favorite rosé go favorite white is a grand reserve chardonnay favorite red is the grand reserve red blend that's a 50 50 cabernet carmenere the carmenere is a lost grape of chile that most people have never heard of try it you're not going to be on the fence you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it and if you hate it i didn't tell you to buy it my favorite (laughs) (laughs) my favorite rosé um probably we have a a, a sparkling rosé um that i that i really enjoy um it goes pretty hard honey uninhibited down here one of our um uh, NFL players uh, owns a restaurant down here. Um, they go through a lot of it, um, but I think everybody um, uh, can gravitate towards a, a cab. You know, the Reserve Cab is probably one of our best sellers. It, it's easy drinking, and and people tend to love it. So, is your is that wine like forty dollars on the internet and two thousand in the restaurant? That- <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've I've been to restaurants and seen some placings where I said, "Wow, you congratulations, you guys." Are, <laughs> you right. I know what I sold it to you for. You're getting over on the system, but no, it's it's a <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a they're they're good wines. What the the feedback that I get is that they over deliver for their price point, which is something that we're proud of. When you buy the the lost fine wine, that's the entry level wine. What do we call it? That's the one you're going to see when you walk into a small Italian restaurant or or a small restaurant. But it's good. It's good wine. It's it's a really good wine. Now the Grand Reserves have a little bit more character. Um, you know, they're they're obviously priced a little bit higher, but you know, there's nothing nothing too over the top. Over deliver for the price point. You sound like a player agent. You sound like a player agent, right? Right. You you, you know, your agent goes in and says, my guy had seven, 12 sacks, whatever. My guy is over-delivering for his price point, right? That would never happen. 
Right. Pay the man. <laughs> Pay the man. You go to Jerry Reese and say, my guy's over-delivering for the price yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to end up with, with Jones in Arizona going like this. <laughs> yes. Good job. Only on Blue Rush do you get football analysis and wine analysis. <laughs> Move over, Will Blackman. You ain't got nothing on Matthias Kiwanuka, who blocked me once because I said I liked white over red wine. Hey, we'll, see Will, we'll see Will at the anniversary. He's, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's he's right. Great. Yes, yes, yes. That's a great so, guy. I play with Will, yeah. I play with Will at BC. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So, Matthias, are you supplying the wine for the reunion? Are you bringing in we'll cases see. for this reunion? We'll see. We'll Ooh. see. Get on them. We've talked about it. We've talked about getting the wine in the Giant Stadium. We've, we've had that discussion. I think. I think when I came out early on, you know, every player comes back with, "I got this business idea." You know, I want you to. Yeah, I want you to. I want right. you to but it's been. You know, we've. I've been in the trenches now for. Poof, what, since I retired, do you have since, you have the I mini retired. bottles, Kiwi? Do you have mini no, bottles? No, no, we did. We did not do the mini Gee, bottles. No, I was going to try no, and get them on not. our planes, but uh, that's no. an easy no for me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have the mini bottles, we can we can talk. We can we can bring it in. We can bring in any okay. kind of any format. So I'm serious. We can have a discussion off air about that. And we can we can do it. We just needed to we needed a, the demand for. It. We didn't have a big enough demand. Yeah. We had a couple we had a couple hotels down here that were interested in doing it, but we didn't have enough people who were who were willing to take it on. So we didn't do it. From hitting the quarterback to hitting the bottle, Matthias <laughs> Kiwanuka. Uh, not in a bad way though. Hitting the bottle. Um, you know we're going to be hitting some bottles of a couple more giants losses pile up hopefully they could turn it around and looking forward matthias to having you back on the show wanderingwines.com new york game day with anita marks on espn radio new york 98.7 fm now that's sunday mornings correct correct sunday mornings check that out matthias kimanuka anita marks matthias we'll have you back on again soon looking forward to seeing you at the uh 10-year anniversary in october which is exactly a month away how about that october 17th and uh thanks for coming on blue rush again all right thank you guys appreciate it great times all right it's time to dive into the betting and fantasy world for week two it's jeremy layton layton's plays lays plays we'll call it this week for week two to wrap up the blue rush podcast this week we're gonna get layton's three best bets his three fantasy plays and then i will give you my par lay let's start with the three best bets hit me kind of looking to do this week in general is to kind of like feed off the overreactions of week one kind of like still stay in line with what we thought of a team before the season started so for one I like uh, the Titans Tennessee Titans plus five and a half on the road against the Seahawks again like you're trying to bet lines more than teams this year and obviously the Titans looks horrendous like 3.9 yards per play last week which was the worst mark but I mean you look at this team I mean like Tannehill Derrick Henry AJ Brown Julio Jones all didn't play in the preseason they all look rusty Uh, Julio Jones dropped a touchdown when you see a result that's so far away from what you expected, you kind of expect regression back to what you thought, at least to a certain extent. I mean, the Titans were one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL the last couple of years, and they were the least efficient offense last week, so I think they can kind of turn it around. I, I think Seahawks could definitely win, but five and a half, even on the road, is a lot for a team that we thought was going to be like a contender and made the playoffs the last couple of years, so like, don't let one bad, bad week against you otherwise, so I do like Titans plus five and a half there. San Francisco is three and a half point favorites against the Eagles. They were nearly a double-digit favorite to beat the Lions week one. The Eagles were under dogs the Falcons week one obviously neither of those things happen but like do we see enough to narrow the gap like the 49ers almost blew the lead but they missed an onside kick there was a lot of crazy stuff happening in that game Falcons you know they got completely dominated by the Eagles defensive line some people might think that the Eagles are maybe they're not as bad but I mean we knew that the 49ers are gonna be a really good team this year we still kind of don't really know what the Eagles are they played a really bad team last week so I do like San Francisco minus three and a half and if you want to buy the half point there I think that makes a lot of sense maybe if you want to buy the full point go down uh, under three. I think that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, my second pick is 49ers minus three and a half. 
I want to do a teaser this week, and I think the most obvious teaser line is the Browns. Right now, they're 12.5-point favorites against the Texans, who, let's not overreact week one again. They could be the worst team in the NFL in the NFL history by the end of the season. So if you can get that 12.5 to a six-point teaser down to 6.5, I think that makes really great sense for one leg of the teaser. And then the second leg, there are a couple ones. I don't know. I want to know what you like the most here, because Raiders plus 11.5 against the Steelers makes sense to me as the second line. Um, Falcons, I mean, they're 12-point underdogs right now. Put them up to 18-point underdogs against the Bucs. Which one of those do you like the best? I like the Falcons plus 18. I think they'll get some garbage time points in there and cover that. Yeah, that's like a huge back. Like the back door is so open when you have a plus 18 point spread. And like the Falcons, they were really bad last week, but it was week one. We can't really overreact. So I think that actually makes a lot of sense there. So Browns tease it down to six and a half, get it under the seven. Falcons go up to plus 18 against the Bucs. Division matchup, you know, they're always closer than you expect. So that is a bet I like a lot. All right, Lay's Plays gave you two bets. He gave you Titans plus five and a half. He gave you San Francisco minus three and a half. And he gave you a teaser. Brown six and a half and Falcons second half plus 18. I am going to give you my three-team parlay. Layton hates parlays. I love parlays. Three-teamers you say are frowned upon. I got to do a few every week. And mine is this week is a mix of two spreads and an over-under. A lot of big over-under numbers this week, Jeremy. And, you know, I like these double-digit spreads early in the year because we aren't sure what these teams are yet. So I'm going to buy the two points in the Falcons game. The Falcons are 12.5-point underdogs in Tampa against the defending champion Bucks. I'm buying the two points. I think they get a backdoor cover there somehow, some way. But I am buying the two, so I'm extra comfortable with that. So hopefully they can lose within two touchdowns. I'm also going to buy a point and a half in the Jaguars game. Now, the Jaguars are six-point underdogs at home against the Broncos. The Broncos are not world beaters. Yes, they beat the Giants in week one. But nothing tells me that they're going to win by more than a touchdown. So I'm going to be safe. I'm going to buy a point and a half. And I'm going to say Trevor Lawrence covers in his home debut jaguars plus seven and a half and then finally broncos jaguars same game i'm buying the half point and taking over 44 and a half i think that's going to be a bit of a shootout those aren't elite defenses going at it i think it's going to be a shootout something like a 30 23 30 27 they hit that over 44 and a half by that half point all right, let's go to the fantasy world. That's your bets and your parlays. Give me your three guys that are on the fence that you're actually going to start and not sit this week. Yeah, so first one is Mike Williams. I think there's like a breakout season potential for him. I mean, last week he had 12 targets against Washington. Caught eight of them, 82 yards and a touchdown. Had a couple drops in the beginning of the game, but again, it's like to be expected week one. The thing with him has been consistency and injuries, but as long as he's on the field, this game has the highest point total of the week at 55, so you know there's going to be points in this game. And a target share like that, 12 targets, is worth a spot in your lineup. I mean, he's clearly the number two in this offense. Justin Herbert looked great in week one. He's also 6,100 in drafting, so there's some value there for sure. My second one, uh, Tyler Boyd against the Bears. We used to think the Bears had a good defense. Clearly, that wasn't the case in week one. And I, again, you don't want to overreact too much week one, but Tyler Boyd plays in the slot. The Bears slot corner is Marquis Christian. He was targeted six times on Sunday night, allowed five catches, 85 yards, and two touchdowns. And that's another good value on DraftKings. $5,000 right now. I think that makes some sense to me. And then last one, uh, tight end that I like. Noah Fant against the Jaguars this week. This game that you talked about is going to be potentially some points in that game. Jerry Judy went down last week. He's going to open up a lot of targets in this offense. I mean, Fant already had eight targets last week. Caught six balls, 62 yards. I mean, Noah Fant's just going to eat up those short yardage targets, and he's going to catch a lot of balls. And again, the Jaguars are horrible at defense. 4,200 in DraftKings makes a lot of sense as a tight end play for me. Jeremy Lay and follow him on Twitter at Jeremy Lay with a zero instead of an O at the end. Lay's plays. 
And that says cheerio to episode 72, the OCU Mignotta edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCroy for producing the show. Give Blue Rush that wee five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts, you filthy animals. For Polly Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. We return next Thursday, long break, to preview the Giants matchup at MetLife against the Bloody Falcons. Enjoy the weekend and thanks for listening.